Green and White Noise is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Michigan State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Not just football, but basketball too. GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Michigan State football only has one home game left against Maryland in a few weeks. You're certain to find cheap tickets there through game time. But if you've moved on and you're thinking about basketball, game time's your place to go as well. They have tickets across all major leagues and teams. The app is simple, quick, easy to use. It's got a two-tap checkout, everything you could need. So head to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts. It's time to talk Michigan State football. Another loss and the inability to f- defend fourth and long. For a period there, I was actually thinking about renaming this podcast Neon White Noise. Uh, that seemed to be the only thing that was working for Michigan State football. And then that fourth quarter happened. Uh, for those of you who listened to Thursday's pod last week, uh, you may not have been surprised by the result. We had Tom Fornelli on. We had a good in-depth discussion about Illinois. And as is often the case with these preview pods that are for subscribers only, it's typically right and very predictive. Uh, But this one is for free for all listeners. Recommend you subscribe to The Athletic for all the great stuff on there. Colton, how's it going? I mean, I'm good, but I think the better question is, how's it going for all you listeners? (laughs) That was a brutal, brutal football game to watch unfold. Um, It was not pretty. Well, I can tell you that it is not going well for our listeners. Uh, We are just going to start off by getting right into the listener voicemails and getting to the point. MSU led Illinois 28-3 at one point, nearly 35-3, led by 21 in the fourth quarter, and they lost 34-31. You guys are mad, so I figured that's the place to start, and we will let you let it all out. Let's play some listener voicemails, starting with Lucas from Galesburg. This is Lucas from Galesburg, Michigan, trying to get on the podcast once again for the first time. Um, I was pretty quiet the whole game, and I just – it's my fault to think that this team would not blow a 25-point lead like the freaking Falcons did in the Super Bowl. I'm just – I'm at a loss for words, but I shouldn't be too surprised considering what has happened this year. I went and saw the Arizona State loss live this year, and at the time I thought that was the worst loss in Coach D'Antonio's career. But just watching everything unfold, the bad snaps, that horrific 
keeping Lewerke in for that obvious concussion, um, I just think he has to go. It's over. MSU football is dead. And that's all I got to say. Not surprising to hear words like that. Let's go to Eric from Lansing. Hey, Chris. Hey, Colton. Uh, this is Eric from Lansing. Uh, don't adjust your answering machine. Uh, this message is probably sounding like every other one that's being left. Uh, but D'Antonio has to go. This is a fireable loss, period, end of sentence. I was at this game. I left right at the end of the third quarter figuring one of two scenarios can happen. MSU can just win, which I figured they could, up 21 nothing, or up by 21 points, or they could blow it, and who wants to sit here and freeze and watch that? And by the time I got to my car, they had blown it. Uh, maybe I should park closer. I don't know. But this, if these last three plus seasons had been D'Antonio's first four seasons, he would not be getting a fifth year. And I don't think he should get a, whatever this is going to be, the 12th or 13th or 14th or whatever. He just has to be gone. The entire staff, all of them, I never thought I would actually say this after the Rose Bowl, but he just has to be gone. So anyway, that's probably a peat and repeat of everything you've heard so far, but great job on the show. Have a good week. Bye. I need to know where he parked. That sounds like it was very far away, but uh, he's right. Every call we got has been like that. Um, Colton, for those who don't behind the scenes thing, Colton is the one who, who gets the voicemails and goes through them. And uh, yes, there were a lot like that. Uh, Let's go to, Johnny from the basement of a Mexican restaurant. Hey, this is Johnny from Grand Rapids. I'm sitting down here in the basement of this Mexican restaurant called Cantina. Shout out them. But it's really too bad because it's almost like people are expecting it. People were dying and they were saying, oh, shoot. But it's almost like we all saw it coming. And that's a bad place to be. So I'm ready. I'm ready to burn it all. Rome has fallen, and it's time to bring in a new sheriff in town, I think. So, that's all. Johnny is ready to burn it down. And last, uh, Jack from Aurora, Illinois. This is Jack from Aurora, Illinois. A very exciting game. Close, down to the wire. Michigan State's still hoping for a bowl game, but I want to know, is this Lovey Smith's greatest game he's ever coached? He made a Super Bowl with the Bears, but is this better than that? From Michigan State perspective, how does it feel with Lovey Smith? Gray beard, Santa Claus, and all marching a comeback from down 25 points to get Illinois their first bowl-clinching berth. Colton, you are from Aurora. You're from the Chicago area. Was that, was that Lovey Smith's best win? Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be dramatic, but I think it has to be, right? <laughs> He won an FC championship with the Bears. He he knocked off a, a ranked Wisconsin team just a few weeks ago. But you know, I gotta say, this has to be the best win of his career, right? I don't. I mean, I don't it see. it was the yeah, it was the <laughs> biggest comeback in Illinois history. Down twenty five points. The previous record was twenty. Uh, I mean that that's it. We've got we got a bunch of calls from people like that. Thanks everybody who who calls in. We do this after every game. Number is five one seven seven nine eight six three one nine. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there's been a lot of 
resignation over the last few weeks, but this was a loss that just made people angry. And it, and it's uh, not hard to see why this was not a top 10 defense like MSU had seen in, in previous weeks. It was a game that they'd led by 25 points. And I don't think things got any better after the game. Colton, you were obviously there. D'Antonio was asked about the future after the game. What was kind of your sense of, of being there in the stadium and then that, that post-game press conference? Yeah, Um you know, so I watched Mark D'Antonio kind of walk back to the North End Zone Tunnel um, when the game went the final. A few people tried to cheer him up on his way back. I think Cody White tried to shake his hand. Um, someone else put their arm around him just to try to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. But he just he just wasn't having it. Um, and I, I give him credit for, you know, waiting and, and pulling the team together and you know, waiting for everyone to go back to the locker room before he jogged back and, and talked to them. But, man, he just looked defeated. Um, you know, he was like rubbing his face in disappointment, staring off into space. I'd never seen him like that. So it was it was a pretty tough scene if you're a Michigan State fan watching the head coach walk off the field like that. Um, as for that entire fourth quarter in general, I mean, I was just there thinking, what the hell is happening? What the hell is happening? Um, I, I, think I, the team was, I think the team was too. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone at Spartan Stadium was. And, you know, I held out a little bit of hope because – you know, Michigan State lost to some really good teams last month. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to see them lose 100-17, to 17, but those were good teams. Um, I think a lot of people were looking towards this Illinois game as, you know, the way to bounce back, maybe salvage this final month, go on a little bit of a winning streak. If you can knock off Michigan, I'm sure that helps. But um, to have this kind of performance, really where you start off strong, you're up 28-3, to three, and then you just collapse the way that Michigan State did, you can't lose to a team like Illinois like that. You, you just can't if you want to be considered – one of the best teams and, and still have that aura about you. And, you know, I think my takeaway from that game is that that's gone now. This team is so fragile. One thing goes wrong and, and they just cannot recover. They were about to go up 35 to three. They, they make the catch in the end zone, get hit ball pops up interception. And then after that, they were pretty much done. I mean, turnovers, punts, a field goal, but uh, I don't, I just, the, everything just flipped. And it, it, it felt, it, I, I talked about it a little bit last week, but the 2016 Illinois game was an Illinois team that did not want to be there, was begging MSU to take the game. And then one thing happens late in the half, and all of a sudden Illinois is back in it, and they win that game in 2016. They win this game in 2019. And it's just, it, you can tell the pressure of everything has gotten to everybody involved in this in this program it, it it's just it's so fragile and that's on leadership that's on the players that's on the coaches and when you're one of your captains Joe Bocci is no longer playing it's it just further illustrates how how big that hole is and you know with D'Antonio we've been talking for weeks now is this is this his last year MSU's no longer contending with top 10 teams like they used to they've taken a step back it's time to go or what have you to lose this game the way they lost the way they lost it all the goodwill is gone everything he built is gone he took MSU further than anyone thought it could go and then just let it fall apart by just refusing to make changes like several recruiting classes didn't pan out the player development has slipped the in-game coaching has been a mess 
And now, you know, I think we've gone from people want D'Antonio to retire to people want D'Antonio to be fired. And as it turns out, last week, Bill Beekman, the athletic director, told the Lansing State Journal that firing Mark D'Antonio is not even in the discussion. I don't know if it's now in the discussion. Probably not. Beekman has never done this before. He's never been a full-on athletic director, never been uh, in a position to to do this. So I do not expect in any way, shape, or form for him to fire Mark D'Antonio. But I think it's absolutely clear that they need to have somebody else in charge. Um, this was a absolute, straight-up John L. Smith performance. To blow the lead the way they did, to turn the ball over when they're leading the way they do, to give up a fourth and long, uh, to, to commit a penalty on a fourth and goal, whether or not you think it was fair or not. Just just everything that was the John L. Smith era has, has happened. And now it's no longer a guarantee that MSU makes a bowl game. I mean, if they can't beat Illinois with a 20-3 lead, why could they beat Maryland and Rutgers, which they'll have to do now because nobody's going to assume they're going to beat Michigan. Um, this felt like perhaps the final nail in everything. You know, we, we kept thinking it was coming. Uh, if you know, a blowout to Michigan next week would be the absolute final, final nail. But uh, everything is is lost that that was built up, and uh, I don't know. It's gone. Just what what do you make of the state of things? Yeah, well, I guess first talking this specific game, um, I guess this team in the season, um, this team just gets way too high and way too low at times. Absolutely. Um, like after the Western Michigan game, they're all feeling good. They're saying we've been waiting for this kind of offensive breakout. That was Western Michigan. You can put up 51 against that team, but you can't expect it to do that every week. Um, so they came back the next week, and then they had that, that loss against Arizona State, which a lot of people said was one of D'Antonio's worst. Another um, one where they gave up a fourth and long when they, yep. they could have won them the game. Yep. So they were feeling good after, you know, they bounced back with Northwestern, Indiana. We're feeling good after that. And then followed that up with three straight losses. So like I mentioned earlier, you're, I guess you're feeling good going against Illinois and, you know, you're not facing a top 10 defense, but, you know, you're up 25 in the first half and you, you blow it because you're feeling good about yourself. Um, you know, I think they got too complacent. Um they let Illinois back in. They didn't. They, this team has always had trouble finishing other teams off. Um, really, the last couple of years that's been an issue. Um, it happened again. So simple as that. You know, they're just letting teams back in that they shouldn't let back in. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. You go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and I mean, let's go back to the moment that they let Illinois back in. It was the the final drive right before halftime. They yeah. they play prevent defense to let Illinois move the ball to midfield. And given the lead, it's not indefensible to play prevent up until that point. But then when Illinois gets to midfield in the final seconds, MSU rushes three and plays man-to-man and doesn't have any safeties deep. And the, uh, got, uh, Illinois receiver gets by him for a touchdown as the, the first half expires. Just absolutely inexplicable defensive formation there. Like, that was Lions under Jim Caldwell, Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary type of stuff. Um, it was very, very weird. What I mean, what did you make of that play? Um, I mean, basically what you just said, uh, you know, everyone knew Brandon Peters was just going to throw it up and chuck it to his guy. Um, you know, there's nine seconds left in the half. You have one job, stop it from getting to the end zone. And you, I think you're feeling good going up 28 to three at the half. But 
That touchdown let Illinois back in the game. Um, you had players saying that was the touchdown. That was the turning point for us. We felt like, hey, we weren't playing our best game. We were playing down to MSU's level. That's what an Illinois player said. We were playing down to really? MSU's level. Really? I did not hear that. Half. Yes. That is, that is that is safety. Yeah. That is that is as much of an indictment of the program as I have heard in a long time. Yep, and I wrote about that in my story. I was like, yeah, when I heard that quote, that is very telling. It just kind of you know, tells us the state of this team right now. So Illinois felt like they had a chance to win after scoring that touchdown, and you know, it's thirty-one ten in that game. They score, you know, they score a touchdown early in the fourth, get make it thirty-one seventeen. You know, at that point, I think everyone's feeling uneasy in the stadium and. You know, it was just they just collapsed from there. I don't know how you give up 27 points in a single quarter. Um, that's really tough to do. I know Joe Bocci was out, but but man, I don't I don't I don't get how that happens. Crushing it at work, laser focused on beating that boss level. That doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurants in minutes. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code GREEN. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store or the Play Store. Enter the promo code GREEN. That's a promo code GREEN for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Yeah, and now it, 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 it should have been 35-3. Could have been 35-3. Ends up being... 28 to 10 and you're like well this is this is this is a game now and i i keep coming back, back down to the fourth very similar to that play before halftime was the, the fourth down it's like fourth and 16 mm-hmm. illinois lines up in this very very strange formation uh that msu it very it's very clearly designed to set up one-on-one coverage for I don't remember how to say his name but that receiver is really good <laughs> i don't either in mator yeah, uh, he, he he four catches 170 yards two touchdowns along of 83 that's 44 yards a catch on four <laughs> catches and they just chucked it up and because he's a big guy and they say go get it and msu did not know what was going on and it was it it was it just reminded me of arizona state when it was fourth and long and they decide to rush three and not spy the quarterback and he runs and picks it up you make those two stops or right you've got two wins uh six and this, three this team just does not make the clutch play like they, they did for so long, like they did in 2017. But other than that, they just do not make it. There's just no belief. There's just no belief going on that things are going to go the right way. And I, I found this interesting. Um, I think it was Matt Hepner from the only colors might've made this comparison. It was during the Minnesota Penn state game. And he said, he, I think it was him made the point that Minnesota right now is, is everything MSU used to be. And I, I think that was absolutely right. It was a team that did all the little things right, had all the belief in the world, and you could tell everybody was on the same page. I think Minnesota's skill is under underrated, just like MSU's skill used to be underrated. But the, compare the, the the recruiting rankings of Penn State and Minnesota, and it's not even close. And everything that min, you saw from Minnesota, a team that right off the bat came out very confident, very much knew what it wanted to do and was going to do it. That is That is what MSU used to be, especially from what 2013 to 2015 that that period and it is all gone there is no belief 
that anybody is going to be the person to make the play and change things. Everybody's yep. looking around for somebody else to be the person to do it. And that is, that is the collapse of the culture that D'Antonio built. You know, he, he, yep. he stuck with this waiting for somebody to come through because so often somebody or someone, something did come through and it's, and it happened in 2017, but now two straight years, it absolutely hasn't. There, there was just no ability at all to stop the bleeding. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are calling for D'Antoni to be fired. That's I don't I don't think that's happening. I don't regardless. think it's happening. I mean, I I think I think it. I, I don't know about should. I I think he should be forced out in a graceful way where you can set it up where the next coach is able to come in and you don't look like you're running out. You don't look like you're just dismissing the winningest coach in program history because that's not a a good sign either. But I'm with you that I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Bill Beekman's going to do it because I don't I just don't think he has the ability to do it. Yeah. That's that's one point. And then I think I think Graham Couch might have talked about this in his in his column after the game, but is is Antonio the type to, to leave the program like this? He seems like right. he's always been a prideful guy and you know he talks about leaving things better than he found it. Um it's it's the program right now is exactly how he how he first found it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of wonder if he would rather – maybe this is the time for him to actually make these significant changes to his coaching staff. Because to me, I guess – and I think in the eye of the public, D'Antoni has two options. He can either let the contracts of his assistants expire because we know he's not going to fire people. He's just going to yeah, and, and the, Yeah, and those, and those contracts change to one year exactly. this year. So they're, they're gone if you don't need to Ex- fire him or whatever. Exactly. They're all rolling one-year contracts. So – I think this could be the time that maybe if he wants to stick around, he's going to have to do this. I think, um, you know, make those changes, let those contracts expire, bring in new blood for recruiting. Cause I think MSU needs a, a, a jump start there. You know, I think they're ranked like 45th in recruiting right now. It's the worst that it's been since Antonio took over the program. Um, and obviously he's been able to find these gems here and there, but you know, I, I, I sort of question their approach to recruiting these days. Um, you know, and then the other part of that, does he want to start a new offensive philosophy in year 14? Um, or, or would it just be easier for him to work out a deal with the athletic department, collect some money owed to him, and then just kind of, you know, ride it out and retire? So I think he's got a couple of options in the in the eye of the public. I don't think you can bring back the entire staff again. Uh, you know, if, if it worked, fine. Like, that was your chance to prove that you still can control this program and and you, you know, your fingerprints are still all over this, but it's gotten to a point where it's just not working. It's, it might be time to shake things up. And if he's not willing to do that, I think a lot of fans are ready to move on. I, I think that's right that he may, because it's so bad, want to stick around. But I, I think it's, I don't think it can get any better because literally every year he's going to be recruiting against coaches who are telling player recruits that D'Antonio is going to retire this year. He's not going to be there. He's not going to be your coach for four years. He, he's gone soon. He's gone soon. And, and you're dead in the water. And there there's been shown no ability that there's any reason for any really good offensive players to want to come to this offense. Even if you bring in a new guy and promise, Hey, we're going to do new things like, you know, re- recruits are they're just not picking Michigan state for the obvious reasons and him staying around, no matter who you bring in as offensive coordinator, even if it's Chad Morris is uh, not going to change that. And that's what, I don't know if he'll, he'll, he'll recognize or not. If, if he will 
stubbornly think that he can fix it. He's in his mid sixties. He's coming up on his mid sixties here. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be a rebuild next year. This isn't, Oh, give D'Antonio two more years and he's, and he's gone because again, that's going to kill you in recruiting and the, the talent in this program is a problem. And any way that D'Antonio stays, I don't see it getting any better. So, I mean, right. if they can set up a deal where, you know, Luke Fickle wants to come in and, and you can have that peaceful transition of power very smoothly and the athletic director doesn't need to do a whole big thing, then I think that's the best case scenario for MSU right now. But uh, if they're able to do that, because uh, otherwise it's, it's it could get could get very messy here, especially if the Michigan game goes off the rails. Um, yeah. It. Uh, I mean, yeah. talking about, you know, next year, I mean, they're losing a ton of defensive talent, obviously. Lewerke's gone. Daryl Stewart's gone. Um, just just looking at next year specifically, if D'Antonio comes back, and let's say he does make some offensive staff changes, does that give him a longer leash if they go 6-6 six and six again or, you know, 5-7? and Because, like you mentioned, next year's looking like a rebuild. Um, they have some good young offensive pieces that might take a step forward, but, you know, I don't think they have an answer at quarterback yet. They're going to lose a lot on defense. So I'm wondering if they go five and seven and Antonio comes back, you know, is that worse? <laughs> well, yeah. It is now? yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, yeah. recru- the recruiting is not going to get any better. And, and there, you know, a lot of people in the industry don't think Beekman is, is long for this job anyway. I mean, he, he, they've named him the full-time AD, but is he going to be the AD in two to three years? There's a lot of questions about that as well. So that, as it relates to, MSU struggling, plus all the administrative overhaul. Does D'Antonio want to stick around because he doesn't want to leave a rebuilding program in the hands of people who have never been in this position before? I'd understand why, but if he wants to stay, that's, you know, you got to think about staying for five years or so, and then you're looking at getting to almost 70 years old. Yeah. That, I'm thinking for, like, for a guy who's had a heart attack after a game, too. Sure. And I, I'm just thinking, you know, if he truly does – if it's a pride thing at this point and he doesn't want to leave the program like this, what would be a good time to leave? You know, is that eight wins? Is that nine wins? It would have been MSU two, get back two to years 10? ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of past that point now. So I just kind of wonder like what it would take for him to be happy and for him to walk away. What, what kind of shape right. does the program need to be in for that to happen? Right. I thought if they won this Illinois game, if they won seven games in the regular season, he, I, I thought that might be a spot where he might feel okay. It's, it's good enough. It was, we got to a bowl game. It wasn't a six and six year. Give one final bowl game, ride it out. Sure. Uh, but it's not that not now you're, now you're six and six at best. I know Maryland and Rutgers are awful, but Michigan state has been awful as well. And, uh, I just I don't think you can count those as wins, and if it, it's it's only going to get worse, basically, yeah. it's just the way I feel about it. And I don't think him staying with the with the way recruiting goes, especially with the way MSU recruiting is going, they're just going to be pointing at you saying, "Oh, he's gone. He's not going to be your coach." And there's nothing you can do about that because that's true. So, I, I I the farther and farther this goes, the more and more feels like you got to just cut your losses and deal with it. But they may not. Um, other things, just other thoughts from this game. Man, Illinois tried to give this game away despite really the comeback. The, the missed extra point, delayed it, really bad interception. Man, they, they, they. MSU really had to try to give this game away to them. And that included 
three interceptions from Lewerke. I don't put the first one on him, but no. uh, the, the, the last ones. And I, I don't remember if it was the picks. I think it was the pick six, the one. Uh, he threw it to just nobody. There was nobody there. Right to an Illinois, I think, safety who returned it 70 yards or something for a touchdown. That was, I think that one was one play after he took a pretty bad hit to, hit to the head. Yeah. And Antonio was asked about that after the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you just watch the replay, Lorky did not look right getting up. He was, he was slow. He kind of dropped the ball immediately. Um, Matt Seibert was, was next to him, and he was kind of signaling over for help before Lorky kind of waved him off. And then he was right back out there for the next play and threw a pick six. Um, so D'Antonio said they checked him out on the sidelines, but I don't I – MSU has some very, you know, specific rules to handle concussions. I don't have them in front of me, but it was, I, I read over it this morning. It was pretty lengthy. Um, you know, it involves, you know, bringing him over to the sideline, checking him out, making sure he's good, Every a little bit more than that. And I'm, I'm not sure if all that happened in the span of well, one play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, he got right back in there. Maybe that was just the work he waving people off and saying, I'm good, I'm good. But I think if that's the case, you might have to take that out of, out of his hands, out of the player's hand, and, and just make sure he's okay. And I don't know if that was the reason he threw that interception in the pick six. I think there was some miscommunication between Cody White and him on that play. But, yeah, that was kind of a back-breaking interception, and it, it helped Illinois get back in the game. Yeah, so since we're still doing this <laughs> – the Le'Veon Bell, how did he do that moment of the game? Uh, I go with the 42-yard Lewerke touchdown. You know, that first half, there were really there were really good things from this offense. And you thought, you thought, hey, they're not playing a top 10 defense. Maybe, maybe things are not as bad as we thought they were. And this still is an average team that can get by the below average teams. Elijah Collins had 170 yards on the ground, a 40-yard run, showed the big playability you like to see. There was a lot of good things there. And then it just completely disappeared. Just I'll say completely. A, I'll say a positive. Um, I don't know if I have too many good moments from this game. I'll say a positive. I, I really like seeing the young guys out there. I know a lot of it was because of the injuries, but you know they put five true freshmen out there on the very first drive and scored a touchdown. Um, I thought the offensive linemen, the young guys, Nick Samak at center specifically, and uh, also Jadu Duplain at left guard. I thought both of those guys pretty pretty much held their own. Um, Samak specifically, he was really good at center. He was moving guys off the ball, uh, creating running lanes. And, um, you know, the offensive line helped MSU rush for, I think, 275 yards in this game. Um, so it was a really good day for the offensive line, I thought, for the most part. Um, good day for Elijah Collins. He had over 170, I think. Um, so I guess that's a positive. Go with that. Noah Harvey seemed decent in covering for Bocce. Yeah, he made some plays. But... And and I mean, like yeah, like I said, we were gonna call this podcast neon neon white noise because hey, maybe that was maybe that was a real key to turning around, and clearly that was not the case. Well, uh, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about that. They only wore half the neon. That's they, true. They, <laughs> they did not wear the pants. And I maybe was, the pants are the key to the defense. On I was the, on the I was aspect. preparing for them to win this game and then wear the neon pants, the white jersey, and the neon helmet <laughs> at Michigan next week, and it was gonna look like puke, but. <laughs> I, we may be done with the neon now. Um, John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. I go back to that fourth down, the fourth and long. Um, just completely caught off guard by what Illinois is doing. Cornerbacks have been a, have really been a, a problem for a while and just got out muscled and, and uh, 
you, you had to figure on fourth and long, they were going to go to the big guy who they, you know, you figure you want to bracket that and, and cover that a little bit better and uh, just did not work. So you could point to a lot. I'm going with that one fourth down play. And I'll go with the entire fourth quarter. <laughs> yes. Um, 27 points given up, 210 yards allowed in that fourth quarter, um, you know, 9.5 yards per play, two turnovers by the MCU offense, um, and just explosive plays by the Illinois offense. So it was just a brutal fourth quarter. And really, if they stop one of those scores, they win this game. And yeah. everything fell apart. Came down to one play twice, two fourth down plays. I, I, I thought the the fourth down, uh, the pass interference was, eh, I didn't think it was a great call. Uh, D'Antonio clearly did not like the call, but I got a question. What, did he bring that up unprompted or was he asked about that play? He was asked about it. Okay. Because you know, a lot of times when you see a coach complaining about officiating after the game, you're like, hey, you know, stop complaining it you know, coach shouldn't c- complain about fishing. But if he's asked about it, I give him a little bit of leeway. But still, I think a problem, it, I still think it's a problem that it looks like he's deflecting. Uh, you should have never been in that position in the first place. And even though he was asked about it, just say, didn't agree with the call, but we shouldn't have been in that play. And between that and, and the next question stuff, um, just a real sense of not wanting to, to take a lot of the blame on that on, for that game. Yeah. I mean, on that pass interference question specifically, he was asked about Josh Butler and he said he didn't see his pass interference. Um, he said he thought both players were trying to play the ball and both players were pushing off. Uh, but he did say, Hey, they made the call. They got to deal with that call. Um, you know, I'm not going to whine about it, but we put ourselves down there and uh, that's, that's kind of what happened. So he was, he was like, you could tell he was not happy about the call, obviously, but it wasn't just purely blaming that call. And he said they got to play through it, and he's not going to go and whine about it. So well, I, th- I thought it was a little bit of both ways, but yeah. That's better than it comes across on Twitter when people only yeah. do out one. That's why I asked to start off just because one one sentence on Twitter usually doesn't always give the most context. Um, the Mike Sadler punt of the game. I don't know. Hartberger had a 46-yarder. Nothing really stood out. He didn't have any boomers. Nothing was inside the 20. Um, so a punt next up for msu is, is michigan obviously who was on a bye this week uh, msu has always played this game very tough to the very end and um last handful of game two of the last three have they've just been overwhelmed by a better team i think a lot of us are probably expecting something like that again but um we will see colton Anything you wrote this weekend you want to make sure people check out or anything coming up this week you have planned? You know, I wrote a story that went up like Friday night. So I don't know if too many people had a chance to read it, but um, it was about an MSU fan. I, I kind of teased this earlier on the pod, uh, Jeremy Duar, who kind of uh, collected some some tickets and, and passed them out to some kids and some youth programs in the area so they can go to the game. And I uh, have to think they were – even though MSU didn't win, it was a, it was a bad loss. I have to think that they had a good time there. So maybe if you want to, if you're looking for a bright spot in this game, maybe go back and give that one a read if you're feeling up for it. Um, and then we got a lot of cool stuff coming for this Michigan week. Um, myself, uh, Nick has some good stuff. Austin, Meek, our Michigan writer. So we're all planning some some really cool uh, stories this upcoming week. I don't want to give any too much away because I think you guys are going to like what we have coming. But uh, just keep an eye on that for this week. And this stuff is for athletic subscribers only. 
And I don't think we put it out here, but if you go to theathletic.com slash green and white noise, you can get 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. For anybody who listens to this pod and nothing else we do on The Athletic, can't imagine there's a lot of you, but maybe there are. And we could always use the, the boost. So check that out. You know, it's Michigan week. There's always a chance that MSU stuns them and, and you say you grab something away from the season. But uh, it's probably going to be a, a week of MSU fans um, venting a bit. We will have the voicemail line open again after that game. And feel free to tweet at us and, and everything. Give us feedback on what you think of the pod. They'll do it here. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for all the voicemail. Sorry if we don't get to everybody, but we always uh, appreciate you guys who call. And there were a handful of vulgar ones that we unfortunately couldn't use. Although your feelings are certainly understood. Um, but thanks for those of you who did call. And we'll be back on Thursday to talk Michigan. So for Colton, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James. And we will see you on the other side. <laughs>